Hello and welcome to another episode of Engagement Zone, uh, the uh, podcast from the Employee Engagement Awards and the Employee Engagement Alliance. Uh, last week saw the hottest day ever recorded in the UK. Apparently, we've had the, the, the top 10 hottest days have been recorded in the past 17 years. So to all those climate sceptics out there, I, th- I think the, the data is against you. Um, today, it's also cold and wet. So if that doesn't sum up a British summer's day, I don't know what does. Uh, another news, we have we just happened to have a new prime minister in Boris Johnson. Uh, and yesterday, we actually launched our annual top 101 employee engagement influencers list. Um, this has practitioners and influencers from all over the world, um, with different areas of expertise, different views, different opinions. Uh, and we're really, really excited to have seen the, the fantastic response it has got globally. Uh, this year, we're going to be engaging with this community. It's the third year that we've done it, uh, but we're going to be engaging with this in- community of influencers much more, co-creating content. Uh, the first ebook we're making with them is actually around the future of work and, and their views on that, and that should be coming in early September. Um, so to today's guest, um, and I'm very happy to say, is actually the first, uh, officially the first influencer from the 2019 list being interviewed. And it was also uh, a multiple winner uh, in last year's UK and European uh, Employee Engagement Awards. Not winning once, not twice, but three times with her company, Cooper Parry, including the coveted top engaged workplace across the UK and Europe. So so congratulations and, and welcome Chief People Officer at Cooper Parry, April Bembridge. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, it was a huge privilege to... to- and huge surprise to win the awards, especially the last one. As anyone's seen the photograph of me uh, when I was collecting the award, blubbing in, uh, blubbing away in tears. So, uh, yeah, very emotional night that was. I, I must have missed that. Okay, well, I'm glad. We, I'm, I'm not glad we moved you to tears, but because that sounds quite sadistic. But uh, <laughs> happy, happy you were happy at, at the uh, at the recognition, um, which is what we're here for. Um, I'm glad you have seen the picture. To be honest, it's. Uh, yeah, it's not my not my finest. <laughs> so, so will you be defending your crown this year? Hundred percent, yes, definitely. Um, I mean, for us, it was um, you know the taking part in in the awards was you know the awards are brilliant to have. They always are. It's nice to get a trophy, but to be part of a network of people that believe in the power of engaging people and believe in the power of uh, creating a great culture. I mean, that just to say, Matt, that the awards um, event was fantastic. The, the the vibe in the room was so like, supportive. There was there was no sense at all of one one table wanting to win over another table. Another table. It was everybody was just rooting for everybody in the room, and I think that that says a lot about what being engaged and creating a great culture is about. So, well done to you. Well, it's it's a privilege to be to be able to to try and. Uh, you know, bring this recognition and 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 this world world together because, like you say, it's there are people passionate about improving the lives of their colleagues and 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 the business they're working with within. So, you know, to 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 be in the room of, with that positivity and energy is fantastic. And uh, you know, long long may it continue. Um, already working very hard in different parts of the world to try and you know keep expanding that community really and and shining the light on on even better work. So. Um, and it's that work we want to get to on this podcast, really. So, um, you know, I'm sure people are dying to know 
what uh, uh, you know an award-winning business looks like, and, and I know Cooper Parry's story is, is is a fantastic one. So, to those listening, we usually spend about fifteen to twenty minutes on on our podcast. We might overrun a little bit today, um, but um, can you can you give us uh, and our listeners some some background on the story you've you've been on and what way and where you're going to really? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll try not to talk war and peace because I could easily talk about. It for <laughs> I'll, I'll help with you on that on that one. Don't okay. worry. You can tell me when to when to stop. Um, but I'll, I'll give a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of the history, I suppose, of Cooper Parry in that it was. Um, you know, it's 165 years old, so rooted in a lot of history, a lot of tradition. Um, historically, a, a pure accountancy firm based in Derby. So everything that conjures up in your mind about what a stereotypical accountancy firm is was what Cooper Parry was back when it first started and I guess it's been on a on a huge journey for 165 years to get to where we are today excuse me that's my dog one second um so he's also excited about the story <laughs> yes so so I guess the the last the last 15 years or so have been uh, I'll jump forward hugely don't worry I'm not going to talk through the whole 165 years but the last 15 years or so have been, I suppose, the the real shift and the real change. So um, Aid Cheatham, who's the CEO, joined Cooper Parry back in 2004 um, and, and really wanted to break away from the stereotypes of accountancy. And it wasn't cool to go to a party and, and you asked what you did and you said you were an accountant. So he kind of yeah. wanted to break that, break that myth. And him and a, a few other people, very like-minded, just set out really to do something a little bit different. And, and they didn't really know what that looked like at the time, I guess. They just knew that they, you know, they, they wanted to have fun. They wanted to create and build something really great. And they wanted to work with a, a, a group of people that felt the same way as them. And I suppose the cultures kind of evolved from then. And, you know, you step forward kind of another five years from that and recession hit and Cooper Parry was hit badly by that at the time. Um, and they weren't great at, communicating with their people about why they were having to make redundancies and um, they just they just act acted fast at the time to, to survive really and yeah. um, but I guess the big the big learnings off the back of that 2008 pain was that they needed to do things differently around their people and it, it was that was the pivotal moment 2008 where we need to put our people first so rather than it being all about clients it was put our people first and, and everything else will fall into place and, and so from then on, the whole shift of talking about culture, talking about the working environment, um, talking to the people to ask them that what they want, being much more transparent with our people, it has evolved um, and continues to evolve really since then. So I joined three and a half years ago and Cooper Parry already, you know, very well known in the market, in, in the local market for being, um, having very cool offices for doing some quite cool things around people um yeah. so stuff like flexible working unlimited holidays email curfews that kind of stuff um however um when i joined i guess cooper Power was starting to grow again and we'd opened a new office in birmingham through acquisition so there was some integration to do of a, of a different business with a very different culture um if you look back at cooper Power as, as it was back in 2004 that's probably where the business that we acquired was in terms of culturally and office space and mindset so we had to we had to to integrate that new business and and ensure that we didn't lose sight of 
what the Cooper Parry culture was. Yeah. And, and, and that led us to creating what we call now our cultural cornerstones. So we've been much more deliberate about the culture that we want to create and, and kind of asked ourselves this question that we get asked by other people all the time. You know, people often ask me, how do you, how do you create the culture at Cooper Parry? How do you, you know, how do you get it to be like it is? And where I work, we haven't got a culture. It's something I hear all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and my response is, well, look, you, you do have a culture. It's just, is it the culture that you want? And is it a culture that you like? And uh, if it's not, how can you, how can you change that? And, and, and first of all, like be really intentional and, and considered about what you want that culture to look like. Because it might not be the same culture as Cooper Parry, and that's okay. But it's once you've identified what you want it to look and feel like for you and for your people, then you can start to put the te- steps in place to kind of shape and, and, and make that a reality. So in, the, in that first step, is that, is that top down or would you involve your people in that process? Um, so the, so the, in terms of the culture, I'd say top down yeah. because that's about the vision of the leadership, the vision of where the business wants to go. So what do we want to be known for as the culture of Cooper Parry? But but as soon as you've identified that, then you've got to get people in, involved. So we we it took us about, in all honesty, it took us like three or four months to really define the culture or cornerstones and what that looked like and we, we did some collaboration with the teams and asking them how does it feel to work at Cooper Parry and we kind of stopped and reflected and said does that feel right for us is that what we want it to be and it kind of helped to shape the overarching culture but once we once we defined those cultural cornerstones we went out to the business and really involved people and asked them right tell us how far off the mark we are of this because this, right. this is our aspiration we're not saying this is what we are this is our aspirational culture where, where are we doing this well? Where are we not doing it well? How can we change things so that we are, we, we achieve this aspirational culture? Um, and then there was lots of activities off the back of that around reshaping our values, which was definitely um, not a top-down exercise that came from, you know, the people um, in terms of what do you expect to see from people that are aspiring to create a culture like this? Um so there's been a, there's been a combination of things. Some have been top-down, which I think is really important, leading leading the way on shaping the vision and the culture, but then making it happen across the board. Um, just out of interest, how, how did how did the acquisition go then? How did was it a successful merger of, of di- different uh, you know cultures? Uh, how, how were there any issues along the way that you're able to share? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, painful at many many points, and I'm sure anyone that's been through acquisitions can can relate to that. That. You know, we made tons of mistakes along the way and um, we learned a huge amount. It, we would say it has been successful. We've managed to, um, you know, embed our West Midlands business. It's We're now, our, our brand and our reputation and our culture were really well known for in the West Midlands as well. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't without its pain and we lost we lost a good chunk of people along the way. That's not necessarily a negative, I suppose, is it? Because if you, if you want the people you know, all, all under working within that one culture with that one vision, uh, especially on the right people on that, on that journey. Yeah, definitely. And, I, I, you know, we, we lost a pretty high percentage of the original um, workforce that we acquired over. However, there was a, it wasn't that they all walked out and it was mass, you know, mass exodus. There, there was, there was some that left very quickly of their own um, choice. They just decided, you know, they saw our course, even just seeing some of the branding, they were like, no, it's not for me. It's not, you know, don't want to be part of this. And, and that's the best thing they could have done for themselves. Um, there was then a, a, you know, a number of people that we had to kind of help 
um, all along that journey in terms of identifying that they weren't right for our culture, either from a um, behaviours, values perspective or from a, a performance point of view, because we do have a really high performance culture as well. So there was a combination of those that chose to go and those that um, we helped to make that decision. Um, and I think from, from people listening in, sometimes obviously when you know your own story, you know you can, we can all assume it'd be great to hear the actual the growth of the business itself. You know, you made this very bold decision. Um, you know, Aiden and the other partners in two thousand four, the recession was hit, and what, where's Cooper Parry uh, as a business in twenty nineteen? Once once you embarked on this new new culture, new vision. Yeah, so I mean, back back in two thousand and eight, when they had to make some pretty big um, cuts of people, they uh, lost around uh, just over three quarters of a million pounds, and at the time, that was a lot of money for Cooper Perry. Um, but the year the year following recession, they they had their best year ever in history. So by making, I guess what it did is it made them kind of stop and look at where they weren't being as efficient as they thought they were. They were kind of dabbling in a lot of different. Um, different areas so it became much much more focused yeah. um, and then since then the the growth has been exponential really so we we set a vision in 2015 um, as well as cultural and people vision but also commercial target to grow 10 times in 10 years so by 2025 to become 150 million turnover business and 15 million at the time in 2015 and we're now um, a 40 million turnover business so we're kind of well on track for that that target um and that, i think that's the bit that people often um the misconception sometimes of cooper parry is they see the the fun stuff and they hear about the unlimited holiday and they hear about you know email curfews and and we get kind of our, you know see the trampolines in the office yeah. and the bar they're like does anyone actually do any work there uh and the, the flip of that is that we do that the, the expectations around performance and the caliber of people that we we hire is really high and that has a massive that's had a massive impact on on the bottom line so being focused hiring the right people like that's critical for me is is like if we get the hiring right everything else will will fall into place um and and we're seeing that we're seeing that in the numbers um you're you're creating a culture which allows people to perform at their best and that's what most people want to be able to do is fulfill their fulfill their own talent um and that and that's having a benefit on the business you know i think so you'd agree that the putting the people first that that's still that's still the the main driver in cooper parry and has been one of the main reasons to see the growth of the business absolutely so we you know we have a, a really simple strategy so we're you know we're very simple people at cooper parry we have a really simple strategy that's you know get the people right you know create this amazing culture that attracts the very best people retains the very best people give them an environment where they can grow they can learn they can operate at their best they play to their strengths every single day um and they you know in turn they're going to give our clients the best service they're going to be more productive they're going to our clients will then refer us they'll stay with us that that in turn is going to grow the business and it's it's just as as simple as that I yeah guess. well it, it's don't don't complicate it it doesn't need to be I, that's 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 what how I, as people know it's how i got into this 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 world, I, I was customer experience, and all the, I knew all the benefits that created that, and I knew that if you put had the right people, that all all the known benefits of strong and positive customer experience can be can be um, can be amplified by, by a great employee experience. And I think people are finding out that. And I've come from a pretty heavy customer background myself, so I, my my 
my experience is kind of rooted in hospitality and retail HR so it's all you know often about customers always right putting the customer first that you know the mantra yeah. of, of retail and hospitality um but but always in the background actually my my view and my passion was that I, be, I believe in that the customer has to have an amazing experience I'm, I know I'm a customer of many things myself and I want to have a, a, an experience that I rave about but you're only going to get that you know you go to a restaurant you're only going to get a good experience when the the staff that wait on you are happy and they're give, smiling they give a great service so you go to a shop and someone wants to help you out so it's got like it has to start with the people there do they do they want to be there in the first place are they in a role that they you know they love be it a temporary role a permanent role a, a part-time job a full-time job they've got to feel something for it and the environment is what will create that I, I am uh, in, in you know a former life when I consultancy around uh, customer experience. We were looking at an almost a similar field to to Perry, but not quite. It was uh, financial advisors, and um, uh, we did the employee net promoter for all their advisors. And uh, the most successful advisors had the highest employee net promoter score, um, and they also had the highest customer net promoter score for all their clients. And it is it's very very simple, like you say, it's very easy to correlate. And just even you know. Uh, uh, a s- simple story over the weekend went shopping for wedding rings and um went to two jewelers i won't name, name their names i know where they sit on the sunday times top 100 and um i could you could i, I would put my house on the on the different em- employee net promoter scores of the two representatives i, ha- I had in the two different stores and i and i wanted to buy and i did buy from from the store where the employees seemed to be just gave me a fantastic experience. It wasn't because of the ring, really. It was because of the employees. So, you know, it shows the power of it. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful. And we use Net Promoter Score as well. So we use that for our clients as well as obviously the various kind of engagement measures that we use as well. And we like 100% see a correlation between those two things, without a doubt. And it, and it can be like a, a traffic light system as well. If, if, if your employees are starting to, you know, show a, you know, a, a reduction in their score, then, you know, you, you could probably say, well, we might want to keep an eye on these customers too. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can fix the issues that are, uh, that are arising as well. So, you know, big, big advocate of a net promoter from both internal and external. But, but I could talk for hours on that. So any, any, any advice you'd give somebody um, embarking on a journey? I think one thing that I've just got from, from you as well um is that and it always takes time it's, there's never a quick fix to any of these there are quick fixes but there aren't there's not an overall quick fix um so that's one thing i've, I've, I've drawn out um and the impact can be great but any any advice uh, from from your end to, to our listeners about who are embarking on trying to improve the culture within their business yeah i mean i definitely echo what you said there like like we shouldn't be beating ourselves ourselves up if things aren't you know, you look at one company that maybe you aspire to be like, be it a Google or a, um, you know, Netflix, and think, why can't we be like that? I, I the, you know, the businesses have either been a startup and they've had an opportunity to shape something right from the start, or you, your business has been around a long time and you've got to change. So, and change is difficult for a lot of people. It ta- it can take time. There's there's some things you can move quickly on, but it, it's about evolving rather than kind of you know being a revolution and. Um, so, I, so I think people need to yeah, give themselves a break if they're looking at other businesses and, th- and, and wanting to kind of aspire to be like that. But but the main thing for me is is just taking a step back and thinking, what is it that we're actually trying to create? Because we we hear so many things on, you know, the in, the internet or you know listening to podcasts and 
we kind of think, oh, well, I'll, I'll implement that in my business and it will change things. Um, but actually, that that might be at odds with the culture that you're really trying to create in your own business. So it's your culture is unique to you and your business. No, no two cultures are going to be the same. So take a step back. Think about what's the culture today? How would I describe it? And do I like what that, what that sounds like? And where would I like it to be? Um, and, and are they the same? Are they different? Are there gaps? And that's just that's kind of the starting point of, of okay, what's next? Um, would be my, my best piece of advice, I think. And it's a fantastic one. Thank you very much. Uh, so have you been on holiday yet this year? Or are we going away anywhere nice? I haven't been away. I'm, um, I'm going away in a couple of weeks. My sister's Hendu to Marbella. So Ooh. that's going to be fun, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've done the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably a good job. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, hope you hope you enjoy that with your sister. Um, we, we've, we've got a video of Cooper Parry um, from the CEO, actually, A. Cheatham that uh, April mentioned. We've got a video uh, interview with him that will be going on to our website as, lo- as well as this podcast that you're now listening to. Uh, but for now, just um, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on your on your three awards and, and being and being listed in our top 101 influencers, April. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we're also open for entries in the UK and Europe right now. Deadline's October the 9th. If you're listening to us from, from the southern part of Africa, uh, our com- we have a conference down in Johannesburg on the 17th and 18th of September. Uh, and we'll be back in New York for a small event uh, around Christmas time. But for now, thank you for me. Thanks very much to April. Uh, thanks and goodbye from me. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>